What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the No Regrets Marriage Podcast. I'm your host, Johnny Morton, and joined by my wife, Carla. And this week, we are going to talk about, really for the next two weeks, we want to talk about marriage ministry within the church. Carla, when you think about marriage ministries in churches, what do you think of? What just comes to mind real quick? Um, I guess if you were to think maybe about like a conference or maybe a retreat or, you know, sort of a special kind of event that you have once a year, once every so often. That's what I think about. Yeah, I think that's what people initially think of. And I think those are can be parts of it. Uh, But I think a lot of churches, some churches aren't even doing that. Um, a lot of churches, they may do have a, you know, retreat once every couple of years. And that may be all they're really doing to really focus on marriages. And so what we want to talk about is really twofold. And first, in this first podcast, we want to talk about why is there a need to do marriage ministry in the church? And then the next podcast, we want to talk about, well, what would that look like? I mean, if you had a church that was a really, had a solid ministry that really focused on building relationships within the church and in the community, as well as building people up spiritually in their walk with Christ, what might that look like? Uh, And the reason we're doing this is, one, as you know, we're, we're in a marriage ministry, and this is not... We're not trying to drum up business for ourselves. It's really just something that we see, and I think statistically across the country and research has shown that it's something that's really missing in a lot of churches. Why do you think it's missing? I know we've talked a lot about this and gone back and forth. You know, we have each other, and I've talked to other ministers and looking at that. And you know, it's not that I, don't, I know people don't think that marriage isn't important. I think they do. Um, I think that a lot of times the focus is let's build up people spiritually. Which is true. Which is important. That whole idea of, I guess you would call it discipleship, spiritual discipleship. Teaching people the basics of their faith how to grow, how to study, how to share their faith, so on and so on, in which that is such an important part. I mean, that is sort of part of the work of the ministry Paul talks about in Ephesians. And I think what they probably are thinking is that as people grow spiritually, as people become more and more conformed to the image of Christ, then their relationships are just naturally going to be better. And so you're going to be have better marriages and you'll be better moms and better dads and so on and so on. Well, and obviously there is some element of truth to that, right? I mean, there is, there is transformation and all of those things. We've talked about how God uses marriage itself to transform us. Absolutely. To transform our character. And so the church obviously is where only God can do the transformation. Right. But what I do want to give people is the tools to grow spiritually. Yeah, and I think what you and I might contend and might desire that churches get a glimpse of is the thought that it is not just like 
a, a piece here that you're right, that is as couples or people grow in their faith, as believers we're talking about, then yes, there should be some sense that we mature in areas and we, quote, do relationship, do marriage healthier, better, you know, more intentionally. But the reality is, and I'll let you get into all that because you've got some stats in front of you, that really does not totally bear itself out. There are people that know the Lord, are strong believers in their faith, and yet they really don't have the tools to do healthy relationships. Yeah, I think, and let's take sort of another point maybe to illustrate it. Let's take the area of money and finances. I think there are biblical principles that you want to teach, the idea of being uh, that, hey, depending on God, he takes care of all of your needs, not being greedy not being selfish. All those are attitudes going towards handling money. But what it doesn't do is it doesn't teach somebody how to do a budget. Correct. It doesn't teach somebody how to set priorities and goals for that. Those are the tools they need to accomplish that so that they would handle money wisely and according to Scripture. I think relationships are the same way. You know, I think one thing that we've talked, we've talked about before that we sort of came into it when we got married thinking, oh, this is going to be a piece of cake. This is going to be the happily ever after. I was in ministry. We were both believers. We both had a desire and passion to serve God. We we're involved in high school ministries. That's how we met. And we just thought it would be, it would just be natural and easy. And what we found out was it's not. And obviously some struggle more than others. You know, and there's a whole host of things that go into all of that. But as you said, the reality is a lot of times we don't have the tools to do it in a healthy way. And I think, you know, another huge piece of this is that, and you're fixing to get into this, and I'm going to be quiet and let you say it. No, you but, go right ahead. No, but I think the idea that, you know, at, you know, God, obviously, the first after creation and as part of creation, what he first did was make man. And then he said, when you think about this, isn't it amazing that he was with God in the garden before the fall had happened? So it was perfect, you know, experience in every way. And yet God still said, it ain't good for Adam to be alone. He needs one like him. And so God, in his wisdom, you know, chose to create Eve out of Adam and bring Eve to Adam to be in relationship, to have relationship for the first marriage that would then start the first family that would ultimately fill the entire universe, world as we know it, generations after generations after generations. And obviously, God um, and the church, you know, our primary thing is to share the gospel and have people grow in their faith for, for real. But when you think about it, how does God do that? He does it through relationships. I mean, if you if you think about what you're struggling with, like, let's say that, um, patience, being patient is really a struggle for you. Well, you probably don't go to a monastery 
and just stay forever, amen, to focus on how to be more patient. Probably God may give you a mate and he may give you some kids and then he gives you some co-workers or he gives you a mother-in-law or a sister-in-law or a friend. And guess what? God uses those relationships to teach you what it means to be patient, bear with one another, walk in love, be gentle. That is how we grow in the body of Christ is through relationships. So we sort of believe that uh, the way God moves in the life of believers at the core is coming out of all the relationships. So if you begin to get healthy in that and you learn tools and we strengthen the marriages and the families, wow, the ripple effect can be unbelievably powerful. Yeah, one of the things I've often said and, you know, when I've talked to people through the years about what's different about Christianity, well, Christianity is about a relationship. It's about a relationship between you and God, first of all. But then God designed us to be in relationship. That's where not only did it say to Adam, it's not good to be alone. It talked about once you become a believer, you need to become part of a local church, that you need that strength of relationships to challenge, to encourage each other. And the most fundamental relationship is that of marriage. It's the first relationship that God created. And it's the bedrock relationship of the church. When you look back at statistics, it has been, since really about 1960, the church has been in decline. I know that sounds crazy. But as you've seen it, the statistics have borne out that fewer and fewer people today are part of a church. It's not surprising that marriage has seen the same decline. Mm. And where a lot of times people said, Well, the reason marriage is in decline is because church is in decline. Well, research shows that really it's it's almost like um, you think of that those pictures of DNA that double helix where they're combined both of, and that's the reality. That's a symbiotic relationship between marriage and the church, and as one goes down, so does the other. And. A lot of experts are saying in the church that one of the ways that we're going to have to really strengthen the church is we have to strengthen marriages. Let me just share this quote real quick, because I think this gets sort of the heart of what we feel. Uh, This is by Gary Oliver, and he says, Hey, as go marriages, so go families. As go families, so go churches. As go churches, so go communities. As go communities, so go states. As go states, so go nations. As go nations, so and go entire civilizations. And if marriages fall apart, and that's what you're seeing in our country, we have the fewest number of marriages in our country that we've ever had percentage-wise, then eventually you're going to see the decline of our culture and really our civilization as we know and understand it. And Which I re- is scary. That is scary. And I think the real key to that, and I think the church does hold the key, and that is going with the gospel, but also going and strengthening the marriage and family relationship. It's a felt need, not only within the church, and we'll look at some of the stats that talk about that, but it's obviously a felt need outside of it. 
I know you were just doing some research. You were working on a mental health thing. And what were some of the stats that they came across when it came to marriage and divorce? Well, about, and I think we said this on a podcast recently, but I think first-time marriages um, have about a 50% chance of divorce. And unfortunately, the stats are not really tons different if you, quote, pull out the secular versus, um, quote, quote, Christian or religious, I guess you'd say. Um, And then second or third, second goes up to 60-something percent. I think third's even getting close to 70%. So, again, the idea that... You know, if you wanted to go with the theory, which we do not espouse, that you married the wrong person the first time. So the second time, you would find the right person, right? And therefore, you would surely have a better chance of success. But the stats are not there to back that at all. And certainly continuing to remarry doesn't give you any better stats. And so I think that would also indicate a pattern of how do you do relationships? And again, like we said, at the core and the heart of our society and, you know, function within the church is going to be that family unit. And then everything spreads from that. But do we know how to do healthy relationships? And there's a lot of principles and tools that are interwoven, not only within the marriage, but then again, the way you parent the way you deal with extended family, the way you deal with all other kind of relationships. And that's the reason our contention is that this is not like a appendage to what's a piece of what's happening in a church. It's the idea that it becomes enmeshed throughout the body because you look at all the way the body is functioning in a local um, place in the way of relationships. And when you think about it, what is a church body but a multitude of various relationships throughout the body? All right. Is, um, as you just said, the key is that whole idea of relationship from so many standpoints. Let's take some look at some of the stats. And these are stats, and we're not going to blow you away with them. I could literally give you page after page, but I'm not going to do that. No, probably not. Probably not. But I do want to throw out some of the key stats, and I think show sort of what the problem is and the need uh, for marriage ministry. Really, I guess we'd call it relationship ministry. I think the term, and we'll talk more about it in the next podcast. But just as churches, I think, have a real emphasis on spiritual discipleship, I think there's a real need for relational discipleship as well. Uh, so let's look at these. Um, and these are these are uh, both from, I think the survey comes from Barna and from Lifeway, a study that they did. Uh, 25% of married couples and churches say they're struggling in their marriage. And they think that's on the low end because when you separate it out by uh, gender, it's like 35% of women say that they're struggling in their That's because men don't know yeah, the relationship. not until not their great. wife tells okay, them they're struggling. Yes. Okay, I'm, I'm surprised that's not worse. But okay, so at, one, at least yeah. one in four. So out of those, those, and that's couples that say they're right. struggling. Okay. So, and it's probably higher than that. Higher if you just were talking to maybe um, a female. Out of that number, more than half of them never tell anybody. Yeah. And we've heard countless stories, and I'm sure some of you listeners have as well, of somebody that's, you know, been Struggling. a big part of the church. They seem to have had a great marriage. And then all of a sudden you hear, did you know so-and-so got divorced? 
And the response is, well, I never knew they were even having trouble. Yeah. Unfortunately, the church is not always considered to be a safe place to say, hey, I'm really struggling here. So the reality is, hey, whether we see them or hear them, people are struggling in marriages. Um, when you look at uh, some of the other things, the divorce rate that, that I could find, this came from Barna, uh, for people that were are believers in evangelical churches. Okay, now that makes a difference. It's like 27, 28% of first-time marriages are ending in divorce. So that's more than a quarter of all the marriages from people who are regular attenders and seem to say they have a faith in Christ more than 25% of those are ending in divorce. Mm. That's not a good thing. And that's not 25% and so much, but we're talking hundreds of thousands of marriages there that are falling apart. And these are people who say that, yes, I know Christ. Uh, and then the other part, and this to me is when we think of the future of the church, and this is really one of the scary statistics in our country, 25% of kids are being raised in a single-parent home today Yeah, because in, in some segments, we have more children born outside of marriage than we do within marriages. Yes. And then when research tells us, though, that the number one factor of young adults becoming a part of a church is a father that goes to church. Yeah. And in 25%, and we're talking again, that's like 25 million young people today, they're probably not going to be in church. And that yeah. number is growing and growing and growing. And so what's really happening is the church of tomorrow, teenagers, young adults, I think with this millennial generation, like 33% of them consider themselves not affiliated with any church at all. And if that stat continues, you're going to continue to see a decline of the church and its influence in our culture and society, which is already waning, I think a lot of people would say and can see. Yeah. Well, and of course, that just screams to the idea that how critical it is for those who are affiliated with a church body someplace, somewhere, and are, are believers that they have the equipping and the tools and the, and the ability and a safe place to deal with things so that they are the healthiest they can be in their marriages, in their parenting, their family, their relationships, because that is our greatest hope and vehicle that that influence then, quote, impacts those outside the church. I mean, we're... You know, we're only going to, in in my opinion, only have so much of an inroad into those who do not know, claim to know Christ, do have nothing or want nothing to do with any of that. But I think for those that are in the church that are not being equipped, this is huge. And you say that even within the church not being equipped, but what research has shown and what churches have proven that have really made relationship ministry part of the DNA of the church, not only are relationships in their church strengthened, but it's become a tremendous outreach to the community. Because as we said before, if there's one thing that everybody 
in the church or out of the church, I don't think anybody gets married saying, ooh, I want to get divorced. No, and like I said, people who don't know the Lord, who have no interest in religious things, are, are married the world over. And like you said, nobody goes into it wanting it to be terrible at all. But again, the opportunity through that equipping and strengthening to then have that outreach, to have that impact, to do things that, again, may give open doors to others that then give an opportunity to share the gospel are incredible, too. And it may be that we have gotten boxed in on looking at individually the different things. Like, we got to have programs where people bring their kids. Well, that is great. That is wonderful. That is wonderful, wonderful. But we all know that the biggest impact on anyone's life, anyone's life, is the family they were raised in, their parents. Now, can people move forward and deal with it and make a different direction if that was not good and not healthy? Absolutely. But the impact is still there. And so when you talk about wanting to have an impact, you strengthen the health and the maturity of your married couple and that then pours down into their children and then into the various ages of parenting children and into all the other relationships Mm. that is that's huge that is even way more powerful than individually the different spokes of the wheel I love the way that you came up thinking about it Johnny or talking about it was this idea of when you think about um, a cup of hot water, and if you take the tea bag and if you keep dipping it in and dipping it in and dipping it in, eventually the tea is just immersed into the hot water. And what you see now is a change because it has just influenced all the water molecules. It now looks and smells and tastes different. And that's what we believe a church with catching this vision and seeing this, that you take a relationship model and you center everything you're doing in your local body around building healthy, strong, mature relationships, that will impact every part of your church body. Nobody is left out in this, y'all. If you're single, if you're widowed, if you're divorced, if you're a teenager, if you're a child, Everybody is impacted by relationships. So this isn't focusing on one and leaving out everything else. No, as long as we're human and breathing and we're here, we're going to be in relationship with other people. So I think it is a way to expand it beyond what maybe we have thought of in the past. Well, then here's the argument. Here's where you're going to get somebody saying, oh, but churches are doing marriage ministry. Well, research right now proves that some are, but the vast majority are not. And this comes from research done by uh, Barna Research. Why don't you say what that is if that's not, with, not familiar? Uh, yeah, Barna Research is... How do you spell that? B-A-R-N-A. Okay. So if you look up Barna.org, they probably do more research across our country when it comes to the church and Christianity and spiritual things than any other group that I know of. Uh, you know, everybody's sort of Gallup polling yes. uh, 
when it comes to political, well, Barna does that with the church. And so there's an organization called Communio. Uh, they're a church who works with helping churches develop marriage ministry, relationship ministry in the churches. And they commissioned a study by Barna. And basically what came back, and we're going to sort of end around this, is 72% of churches out there have no meaningful marriage ministry. Now, when they asked them the questions, more than 50% said, yes, we do. But Were when they, they asked the them, spe- yeah, when they <laughs> asked specific questions about what they do, what exactly? Yeah, I think here are some of the key numbers. Uh, hey, 73% of churches in our country have staff devoted to youth ministry, to working with Makes teenagers sense. and such. Only 24% of churches report having any paid staff member that has any responsibility toward marriages. Mm. And then when you probably ask the key statistic, that is, uh, I guess, put your money where your mouth is, put your mouth where your money is, so to speak, whichever way you want to say that. When they ask them, what percentage of your financial budget do you put towards marriage ministry, towards strengthening marriages, through encouraging marriages, 85% of all churches put zero dollars towards wow. that. That's a strong stat. Yeah, I mean, it's always, I, I can remember growing up when, you know, in high school and people talking about how do you know what people value? Well, what do they spend their money yeah, on? What, look at their checkbook. Yeah, look at their checkbook. And if you've got churches saying, yes, we believe in marriage ministry, yes, we want to strengthen marriages, and yet 85% of churches are putting $0 towards that, I think that's pretty telling. Yeah. And again, we're not knocking all the other things that you do, like the youth, like things like that. But again, I would say we may be looking at this. We've gotten skewed in the way we're looking at it. We're not saying you're not going to be doing things for your teens. You are. But and you could say, okay, well, what if those teens parents don't come to church? That is totally true. They may not. And so you want to impact that teen. And guess what? That teen needs to learn about what healthy relationships look like. That's with your parents. That's with dating. That's with your friends. And so guess what? That teen that you've got there that learns the relationship model may go on into your college or singles. And guess what? Maybe they marry and they make some really wise, healthy choices. Then maybe they turn the trajectory for that family line that now become believers and walk with the Lord and change all that. So again, the spoke may impact at different points, but again, if it is all seeped in the idea of a relationship model within the body of believers, that's huge. Yeah, and we're going to get into details on that on the next podcast, and really I just want to end with this. You know, we'd read all the statistics in that, but to be honest, we really hadn't talked to churches ourselves. And we had a chance last fall to go to a one of the state conventions, and uh, and we just wanted to ask churches and that, hey, what are you doing? How are things going? What are you doing to support marriages? And sad to say, we got a lot of variety of responses. But sad to say, I think the statistics were borne out that most churches and a lot of them, maybe it's because they figured they're not big enough to do that or their congregation is too old or their congregation is too small. Man, I don't care what size you have, what your demographics are. 
man, every church, man, there is fruitful ground to do relationship ministry. I was going to say to do relationship ministry if you get the mindset. So as we're ending here, and I know we'll talk more about this next time, but if you're listening and you're thinking, okay, well, I don't know if this directly impacts me or not. Kind of sounds bad, but I kind of get what you're saying. What our challenge might be to you today is, are you in a body where a believer is a local church body? Hopefully you are. And if you're not, we'd challenge you to do that because we do need to grow in community. We need do need that strengthening and that accountability. But do you know what your church body offers? And are you willing to ask somebody? If you don't know, and if you're, maybe you've moved to where you're living now and it's somewhat new and you're, you are church looking at this point, then as you look, maybe ask those questions. Like, is this a church that says the vitality of the church and the growth is going to come based on how strong and healthy the marriages are in this church. And if they don't have some of that sense, I would say maybe keep looking because you really want a place that says your relationships and from your marriage to everything that's out of that, we want to help you be the strongest, healthy, most mature believer you can be. And if that's not the case, there may be other places that might do that. And we'd say, look for them. Good word. Good word, Carla. And so next time we get together, uh, the next podcast, we want to talk about, hey, what does a relationship ministry within the church look like? What are some things? And for one, we want to give you, hopefully give you some ideas, but really give you some I guess some background. So we do, we would love you to go to your church and say, Hey, what are we doing to support marriages in our church? If it's not readily obvious and maybe it will be after we go through what I think are some of the, the key components of an effective relationship ministry. And that's what we do the next podcast. Then I think that's something we need to question our churches and just ask them about. And then not only ask them, but be willing to do and say, hey, what can I do to help us do that? So on that note, we want to say thank you for listening. I know this was a little bit different topic and focus of our podcast, but I think it's important. Um, our ministry, man, we want to strengthen marriages, but we also firmly believe in the role in the ministry of the church. The church is the vehicle that God is going to use to change the world. And marriages obviously are a huge part of the impact of that within the world and within the church. So on that note, we want to say we'll see you later, and we want to encourage you to keep on forging.